Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I'm Hal's co-creator and your co-host, John Berghoff. This is a special episode that I'm really honored to be a part of because today, a few things are going to happen for the first time that have never happened in the Achieve Your Goals podcast. First of all, me being the host, but really what makes this special is about your creator of this podcast, Hal Elrod. The fact that for the first time, I'm actually going to be interviewing Hal And as many of you know, and some of you may not, Hal, in the last couple months, and I'm going to invite him in just a moment to share firsthand directly with you what he has been battling, has been fighting a really life-threatening health condition. And so in today's episode, for the first time since his diagnosis, Hal is going to share directly with you what's been going on. He and I are going to have a conversation about it. And I'm certain before we're all done, as is always the case with Hal, you'll probably get a few life-changing lessons from the conversation. So with nothing further, Hal, are you here, buddy? I am here, John, and this is very much a pleasure to be on the other side of this interview whole process. (laughs) So yeah, man. Yeah, Yeah, you'll have to give me some coaching as we go. Yeah, in our debrief, I'm sure I'll have a bunch of pointers for you. (laughs) Yeah, feel free to just give those as we go. Yeah, there you go, as we go. (laughs) It's not true, you're actually... Arguably, I'd say you're one of the best interviewers that I know. So that's why you are interviewing me right now and nobody else. Well, this is going to be cool, buddy. And I think on behalf of all of your listeners and your fans around the world, I'm so grateful that we're talking here. I'm so grateful that they get to hear from you. I don't know if they realize that your last however many shows were essentially pre-recorded, which in and of itself is such a valuable example and lesson that your audience could learn in doing things right, you know, you haven't actually been able to be here since you've started a whole new chapter of your life. So thanks for being here, buddy. I've had the privilege of talking to you every day, but your fans and listeners, I know they've gotten a few video journal updates, but for the most part, this is the first time they've all gotten to hear from you. So I don't know how else to ask this other than, you know, tell us about your journey. What's been going on for the last couple months? I know it's been crazy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the last couple of months have been surreal. I've been spending a lot of time in and out of hospitals. I've been living away from my family in Houston, Texas, which is about three hours away, which that's super hard. You know, FaceTime does a decent job. I mean, it's a huge win being able to see the kids every day, but not being with them and not being able to parent them, you know, as much as I'd like to is really, really tough and being away from my wife. I'm living with my dad, who is the most amazing freaking dad on the planet. You know, as soon as this happened, he flew out and just basically didn't want to leave my side. And, you know, it reminded me, you're still my baby. You're still my boy. You know, like nothing changes that, you know, you're my son and I'm going to be with you until this gets better. And so he's not retired yet. He's like figuring this out. But so that's actually a side benefit, which is I'm getting to spend all this quality time with my dad, living with him as like, you know, two bachelors, if you will. So that's been really cool. As far as the diagnosis goes, you know, so I was diagnosed with this really rare form of cancer. And it's been just this roller coaster of ups and downs where 
it started out, in fact, John, you were one of the first people that I called. Like, actually, you were literally the second person I called. I called my wife, and then I think I called you next. And hopefully my mom and dad aren't listening to this. Like, what? You called John? <laughs> you called John before you called your parents? But if you remember, I was like, I called you when it was before it was a diagnosis. It was, I had fluid in my lung, fluid on my heart. There was all yeah, these like- you couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't breathe. I went into urgent care. They misdiagnosed with pneumonia. But the guy behind the counter was at urgent care. He had no certainty in his voice with the diagnosis, but he was very certain that, hey, if in a few days you don't get better, go to a real doctor. Like, get this really checked out. I was like, shit, that you sound more <laughs> confident in go have someone that actually knows what they're doing tell you. Oh, yeah. So a couple of days later, I wasn't any better. And I went in and the doctor came back with some CAT scan or whatever. And he said, look, um, you know, worst case scenario, you got some sort of infection or virus that we got to figure out, or that's best case scenario. He said, worst case scenario you might have cancer. And I was just like, okay, um, all right. And I said, you know, doctor, I said, I live my life by the five minute rule. I can't change, you know, I accept what I can't change. I said, don't, I'm not going to freak out over this. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to assess it. You tell me what my options are. I'm going to figure those out. And I said, I, I just want you to know, like, you know, I will think of this very intellectually, how to approach this, you know, what's best for me and my family, et cetera. So he said, I want you to go in for an MRI and a CAT scan. And First person I called was Ursula. And, you know, John, you know me. I'm a pretty, like I just said, I'm intellectual about stuff. So I don't get really overly emotional in a way where I can't control it or I'm devastated with anything because I can't change it. I accept it and move on. But man, I just broke down like a baby, <sighs> which might happen <laughs> on this episode. Um, but I uh, talked to my wife, just, you know, telling her what was going on. And, uh, and then I pulled it together and, she was crying. And then I got back to my normal state. I called you. I just said, hey, buddy, a worst case scenario, I have cancer. And I said, lots of people beat cancer. And I will view it as an opportunity for me to, you know, everything in my life. I think that, and this is important for you listening. Like if you're listening, what I'm about to say may be one of the most important things I can share, even though it's not in my notes of what I was going to share. But when I had my car accident at age 20, I had this epiphany and it was like a higher power epiphany, spiritual kind of thing, which I felt the sense of responsibility to overcome my adversity because in the most positive, proactive way, because only then would I have the capability to help others to do the same and do the same in my own life in the future. So, you know, I thought how I respond to my adversity. So this is true. How you respond to your adversity determines who you become in the midst of or in the context of being able to manage and overcome future adversities, right? That's it. So it's interesting that it kind of goes back to this rule I taught in the Miracle Morning book on isolating incidents, which is the idea that, you know, every incident, everything that happens in our lives is not just about that. It's not just that day, that thing, that moment, that adversity, because it's determining who we become. And so I realized that it's who I become as a future parent. I was only 20 at the time, but I thought I, one day I'm going to be a husband and a father and I'm going to have kids. And, you know, I want to be able to lead by example of how to respond in the most proactive, positive way to adversity to teach my kids. So that was when that was born, but that thinking or that philosophy. And because of that, I realized it's not just about me. It's about the people that I love, that I lead, that I care about, that people I haven't even met yet, that one day will look to me and go, I'm dealing with this major challenge. Like, I don't know how to handle it. What do you do? And then I would have that experience to share. So anyway, John, it's essentially now, you know, that epiphany that I had when I was 20 carries forward. And it's like, okay, so I'm going through this adversity and how can I respond to it in the most proactive, positive way? And that's what I shared with you on day one. And there was not a lot of emotion involved. It was just that this is the best thing for me to do. 
And I will just share with you, Johnny, and, and my listeners, and you know, John, because you've, you've heard me cry on the phone to you or get choked up or whatever more times in the last two months than in my entire life. But uh, it's been something that has been transformative, and it's been transformative in all these ways that I didn't expect, didn't plan for. And uh, yeah, and I think that we'll get into more as we go into the podcast. Well, I just want to, first of all, acknowledge you, buddy, for your willingness to share openly, you know, not only what happened, but in real time with your community, you know, you're choosing to allow what you're battling to become a gift for others through how you share. And I think that's just so honorable. I also want to just point to the lesson that you just shared, which I think when it comes to anyone who's listening because you're here because you want to better yourself, to be able to achieve your goals, to be able to lead or serve others in doing the same, it could be, as you said, one of the most important. And I love how you said it, Hal, and I just want everyone to recapture this idea before we continue here that our adversities are one of our greatest opportunities to really make a proactive decision as to who we want to be as people. Another word that Hal, you and I have some shared mentors who I've heard them teach it, that our adversities are our greatest opportunity to express and to act in alignment with our values, Mm. which some people would argue is the highest form of success. We often define success as some external, measurable, visible, tangible thing, but there's a whole other philosophy that says Deciding who we want to be, and you teach this how, right? And what we want to value and figuring out how to act more and more in alignment with those values, that's the highest form of success. And if that is true, then our adversities are the greatest opportunity we will ever have to align our values with our actions. So I love that you share that. And I guess, Hal, I just want to go right back to you and ask, because you and I have had a lot of conversations. You've shared a couple thoughts in a couple of different video diaries that you've shared with your community. I know you've had, you have a couple of video diaries that were never meant for your community that I know I've seen that have been very personal. But when you think about what you're dealing with right now, what are any other lessons that have shown up for you? Maybe new ways of seeing things that you just never saw before all of this happened. I'd love to know anything that might come to mind. Yeah. Part of it is a level of humility, you know, like spending a lot of time in hospital waiting rooms, as I mentioned, you know, in some of those times in hospital waiting rooms, I'm throwing up, you know, like in front of dozens of other people. And so I've kind of said that any vanity that I had prior to the cancer, I mean, I've had infections in places that I won't even mention where I've got like teams of doctors looking at different parts of my, I mean, yeah, it's just like, it's kind of crazy. So that leads into the first lesson, which is, I'll share two lessons today that I've got from the cancer journey. And number one is prioritize what matters. Prioritize what matters. And so often we worry about stuff that doesn't matter. And when I say prioritize what matters, I think that's one of the biggest unseen lessons that I've gotten, which is when I say what matters, well, health, for example, right? Now, the cancer that I have, you know, the doctors will tell you no one knows how it forms. And, you know, it's not one of the cancers that's created by diet because that was the biggest mind you know, like my mind blown. And for you, you even said some of our Quantum Leap Mastermind members were like, dude, if Hal has cancer, I'm screwed. Like Hal is one of the healthiest people I know because I've always really prioritized that. But where I wasn't prioritizing health. So yes, I eat a really clean diet and I take superfoods and that sort of thing. And that's an important part of health. I exercise pretty regularly. You know, my exercise is seven out of 10. It could be definitely better, but it's okay. You know, I stay in pretty good shape. The biggest area 
where I was not prioritizing was rest. And I don't just mean sleep. Although sleep is, you know, I was sleeping five to six hours a night for the last seven years. There's a bunch of Miracle Morning readers that are like, I took Hal's advice. Is that why he got cancer? I got to change my whole sleep routine. And it does question, by the way, all the, John and I were just talking before we started the podcast, he was eating a Bulletproof bar. He goes, hey, buddy, look, I'm eating a Bulletproof bar that you've always recommended. And I go, buddy, I eat a lot of Bulletproof bars. I don't, you know, (laughs) I don't think that's the cause, but it's like, it makes you examine everything. You're like, well, wait, I ate this really healthy diet. Is that why I have cancer? I did, I did this. I did this. I ate Bulletproof bar. I ate this. I, you know, so like really made, I took this supplement, which supplement was the problem, you know? So I even said in my hair gel, right? Like when I used to have hair, which I don't have anymore, but was that the cause? So anyway, the point is, I realized I wasn't resting and rejuvenating. And here's the lesson. And if you are a listener of the Achieve Your Goals podcast, I would imagine you're an achiever. You're a goal achiever, right? That's my nickname for you, the goal achievers. So if you're an Achieve Your Goals podcast listener, right, then you probably are ambitious and you're dedicated to your success. Well, what I found is that my ambition took precedent over my health. My addiction to achieving progress towards my goals, it took priority over my health. So what does that mean and what does that look like in terms of an improvement? Well, there's actually this Eckhart Tolle passage that a friend sent me that made me realize this. And he talks about the idea that the body will manifest disease, you know, illness, whether it be the flu or cancer or just a minor cold. But when it is forcing you to rest and rejuvenate. And so while I can't, you know, I'm not going to say that that caused my cancer directly because I have no way of knowing that. What I can do is look at, it was a wake-up call in terms of how I improve my life and my physical, mental, and emotional well-being moving forward, which is I bump my sleep up from six hours to seven hours. So that's one step. But more importantly is when I'm tired, I just take a break and I take a nap. I take a you know, power nap. I just go sit back on the couch. Sometimes I just go for a walk. You know, sometimes just the walk or you know, the jump, 30 jumping jacks will re-energize me. But the point is I don't push my body on a daily basis to do things to achieve goals when my ultimate goal of being around for my family and the world and myself, you know, the community, my community, my, the world, being around and being alive, right? Like what's more important than being alive? That's the wake up call. But being alive for many, many years right now that I'm realizing like, I mean, if I hadn't treated this cancer and gone to the hospital, I would literally be dead. I was like days away from my heart failing, my kidneys failing, and my lungs failing. Like I was days away from that, you know, and I'm 37 years old, you know, so I mean, relatively young, but that was the biggest lesson is to prioritize what matters. And so for all of us, that might be different. You might be like, Hal, I rest enough, you know, but maybe you're not exercising. Maybe your diet needs to be in check. And if you go to halelrod.com and you can search health, you can search rest, sleep or whatever, you know, exercise, right? You can search those topics and we've done podcasts on those. And of course there's infinite resources if you just go to Google. But yeah, John, that was the biggest lesson is prioritize what matters. And for me, there's three things there. It's health, it's relationships, which I'm working less and spending more time with my family. I'm taking the kids to school. I'm doing those things, which John, you're one of the best at that, at being engaged with your children at a level that not too many dads are. So I really have learned a lot from you on that. But so health relationships and then rest and whether that mean, you know, sleeping enough, but also, and maybe just as important, resting when your body tells you to rest instead of taking a five-hour energy or instead of, you know, just getting a cup of caffeine to push through it, right? And even if that means that you rest for 30 minutes and then you make a cup of caffeine, but just giving your body time to rest and rejuvenate 
has been important for me. So prioritize what matters, health relationships and rest. And then I've got a business lesson that has been invaluable. Share it. Okay. So the business lesson, and we've talked about this before. We've actually done an episode. So I encourage you. In fact, I know for sure this one was episode 30. So if you go to halelrod.com forward slash 30, that'll take you right there. But it's the biggest business lesson that I've learned is to create multiple streams of income and have a team to manage them. Now, obviously, those are not overnight things that you could have done next week, right? Most likely. But creating multiple streams of income is something that I've talked about in that podcast episode, halelrod.com forward slash 30. That's what the whole thing's about. So I won't go into a lot of depth on the what, but I'll just share the why. You know, in 2008, when the US economy crashed and I lost over half my income, it's because I had one source of income. I was a coach. I did sales coaching. Actually, that's not true. I, I had a few sources of income, but the one that was significant was coaching. It was like 90% of my income. And then I had also written a book, but it was making me, you know, 50 bucks a month or something that was taking life head on. That was my first book back in the day. And then I had launched a speaking career very recently. But I mean, that year, I think I had two gigs and it was like a $500 gig and a $1,000 gig. So it's not like I was paying the bills. So the point is, yes, I was on that journey to multiple streams of income. And it's an important lesson because it will take time, right? Like that's the thing is it will take time. So for me, I launched multiple streams of income and I still went into financial ruin that year, right? So the year I launched them, I went into financial ruin because I hadn't built them. But that was the year that, you know, you got to start someplace. So I basically was reliant on one stream of income. And so that's the idea is that in today's economy, I believe that all of us owe it to ourselves and also to the people that we love to create multiple streams of income. And it's one at a time. Like, don't try to create seven right now. You know, whatever your current stream of income is, I'll talk about that in the episode. So I encourage you to schedule time in the next week to go listen to the episode that is at halelrod.com forward slash 30 or the 30th episode on multiple streams of income. But so here's what's happened is as I'm in the hospital, if I would have gotten this, you know, a year ago or a couple of years ago before I established these streams of income, I would have been real stressed out because my stream of income were coaching one-on-one over the phone. And I don't know how I'm going to feel on any given day. There are some days where I feel great. Today, I feel great. There are many days where I feel horrible and I'm bedridden. So I'm not dependable right now. And the other was speaking. Well, I've had to cancel all my speeches, you know, up until this point because of my treatment. And again, not knowing how I'm going to feel, but also needing to be in town for treatment. So if I was reliant just on a job, I'd be in a lot of trouble and I'd be very stressed out. Or even as an entrepreneur, not having a job, but having just, you know, where my income is limited to one source. If it relies on you to be there, right? Which is why I'm having, by the way, that's why I'm having John take over the Achieve Your Goals podcast, which I'll wrap it up with that. Like you're in store for like an upgrade, in my opinion. What John and I have been talking about this for, gosh, months now and like each conversation kind of helping us get more clarity on how can we not just have John take over as the host of the Achieve Your Goals podcast while I'm healing, but how can we make it better than it's ever been? Like how can we make it, you know, the Achieve Your Goals podcast, how can we take it up a notch? How can we upgrade it? And so that's what's going to happen. So John being able to take over the podcast, right, is an example of the importance of having some sort of a team to manage. Now, the podcast isn't a stream of income, essentially, but it is one of my things I need to get done. But if it was a few years ago where I was responsible, you know, I can't show up in this regard. So having multiple streams of income is important. And I talk about in that episode you're going to hear when you go back and listen to episode 30, even if you've heard it before, listen to it again but that the income streams, you know, that there's different types. There's an active income stream, which requires you to be there and do it, like, you know, coaching, speaking, going to a job. Then there's a passive income stream, 
which doesn't require you to be there. So writing a book, for example, is a passive income stream. Launching an online course is a passive income stream, right? There's lots of different passive income streams. Buying a real estate property and, you know, the cash flows each month is a passive income stream. So creating multiple streams of income that are either passive or that you have a team to manage them. And again, that might take you a few years, but let me just say this, and I've said this before, creating multiple streams of income is, I believe, arguably one of the most important goals you can set. And if they're passive, you may not need much of a team to manage them. So your team might be your executive assistant. You know, like for me, it's Tiffany. She oversees all of my communications and my inboxes. So you have like a general person. So don't get overwhelmed. When I say a team, it could be a team of one. In fact, it should start as a team of one, right? So those are the two biggest lessons that I've got. Personally, prioritize what matters, your health, relationships, and rest. And in terms of business, make one of your top goals, if not your top goal, to begin creating multiple streams of income. And then, you know, beyond that, and kind of you can do it while you're thinking of it, having a team of people to manage. And team begins with one person. So that if something, you know, happens to you, even if you have a flu or whatever, for a week and you're down for a week or two, somebody can manage that. So John, That's awesome. I'd love to hear you Yeah, add to that or yeah, share your thoughts. Well, I want to point attention to two things. First of all, and you said it really well about rejuvenating. And I have one teacher that I've always admired who I had the privilege of being mentored by him personally, a, a guy by the name of Dr. Richard Boyatzis, who is today, he's one of the leading teachers on the topic of emotional intelligence. And I met him through a business school that I have a connection with. And one of the things that he taught us is that when you look at any entrepreneur or any achiever, if we're going to put it that way, we all have a natural progression that we go through in life where as we take on more, as we set bigger goals, as we aspire to achieve more, we very naturally are going to have more responsibility. And the grand irony is that while we set out to achieve these goals, maybe so that we could have more choice and freedom in our lives, oftentimes the opposite happens. And one of the things that Dr. Boyatz has taught me is that we have to learn how to build into our lives what he calls renewal cycles. In a renewal cycle, sometimes we might think, well, I've got a vacation I'm gonna take in six months, that'll help me. But what his point is, no, we literally need to learn how to renew ourselves almost in real time. Yeah. Just like you pointed out, Hal, that you can't rely on something that's so distant in the future that for the next two weeks or two months, you know, I'm just gonna keep pushing. And he actually shared some research that they did out of Case Western Reserve University where they tried to figure out what are the things that lead to renewal faster than anything else. I'll share with everyone a real quick checklist. And one of the things that they suggest is that it's not, like you said, Hal, it's not one formula for everybody, but we've got to find what it is for each of us. So I'll share with everybody the things that they found through a huge research study that generate renewal for people who are achievers who develop this natural state of stress. And some of these are interesting. It's not what you'd think. Some of them are what you would think. So one is meditation. There's an abundance of emerging evidence, empirical data that shows that any kind of contemplative practice can really help to renew the mind and the body. The second is any form of exercise, which by the way, depending on how you approach exercise, that in and of itself can become a form of meditation. Here's a few that might be surprising. There's actually a lot of research that shows different emotions or states that are not what you'd always think that are also very renewing. One of them is play, playfulness. 
the idea of actually intentionally bringing play into your life, there's actually a lot of evidence that's now showing that can create a serious state of renewal. I shouldn't say a serious state of renewal, uh, a real state of renewal <laughs> and ironic. rejuvenation. I know. The next one is compassion. Compassion. When we feel an authentic experience of compassion for others, that actually has an internal regenerative renewing effect. And the last one is time in nature. There's more and more evidence pointing to being in and around natural settings has this resetting effect of the body. So I just thought I'd share that out because I'm a big believer in that. And like you said, there is no formula. There's a lot of research that probably goes beyond the list I just gave. And I also do want to point out that you have embodied and lived by an example the point that you made about either building a team or partnering with others. Yeah, We're actually going to do a whole episode on this in the near future about how is it that I as a solo entrepreneur can be thinking about partnerships as a way of expanding my ability to make an impact. And just to give you as an example, you know, you and I have partnered on a handful of different projects. And one of those happens to be your live events. And I think it's worth noting that for a lot of us as entrepreneurs, we often get tunnel vision around what are we good at and what can I accomplish? Yep. And what you did a long time ago when you came to me is you said, okay, I'm really clear on what I'm good at. And if I could configure it like a puzzle piece with JB with what you're good at, we might actually be able to create something that's greater than the sum of its parts. And the fascinating outcome is that this last year, you know, you weren't even in attendance because of what you're facing right now at your best year ever event. And yet you literally get to achieve all of the economic benefit, which I'm delighted by because that's great, right? Of being there without being there because you're an owner through that partnership. And so just a simple lesson for all of you, if you're ever wondering about what are the factors that make a successful partnership, I'll give you a couple of them right now, but then we're going to do deep dives into how do you do this in a really strategic way on a future episode coming up. So one of them is to partner with anybody. The first thing is you have to have alignment in your personal values. You have to have alignment. And I'll say one thing about that. You don't have to have perfect alignment. If Hal values A, B, and C, I don't have to value A, B, and C. Maybe I value B, C, and D, whatever those values are. And value number A for Hal doesn't have to line up with value D for me. But the key is B and C have to be strong. And we can't have any values that are in dramatic conflict, if that makes sense. So step one is if you're thinking about partnering with others, the first thing is you've got to have enough harmony between your personal values. You don't have to value all the same things. In fact, Hal and I have things where our values are very different, but it's never around something that's a deal breaker. And then the second thing that you need, aside from value alignment or value harmony, is just a different play on the same word, the ability to create value together, right? Like it's one thing if Hal and I value the same thing, but if when we put all of our talents together, if we can't create anything new with that, a partnership might not be a smart idea. So you got to have value alignment and the ability to create value. And then I often, when we coach people, how they often ask me, how do I structure a partnership? Who gets how much of what? And I always tell people that we coach our Quantum Leap Mastermind members or best year ever attendees. I say, look, that's the third thing you've got to have figured out. And frankly, if you have the first two figured out, that's an easy conversation, right? But if you try and start with who gets how much of the pie before you figure out if you have value alignment and value creation, that's the wrong order. 
and you end up struggling dividing the pie instead of figuring out, can we actually, with harmony, create a bigger pie? And then the whole how do we structure it becomes a lot easier. I don't want to get too far down that rabbit trail because we're going to talk a lot more about how you do that on a future episode. But you have embodied those how, which is cool. Hey, if there's any final lessons you want to share or thoughts on you know, what's going to happen moving forward. John, I love what you shared. And you know, when I space something, like John's always able to add to it you know, and add some lessons. And what I spaced was the idea of when it comes to building a team, what John's talking about, like creating strategic partnerships is different than that. There can be overlap. You might create a strategic partnership with someone that becomes part of your team. In fact, I would say that, yeah, every strategic partner is part of your team, but in a different way than you might have thought of hiring somebody. And what that looks like is, you know, to John's point of your values must be aligned as your ability to create value for others should be aligned and expanded when you partner. So for me, I have Honor A Quarter is my business partner with the Miracle Morning Book Series. So there are two Miracle Morning books right now, the Miracle Morning for Transforming Your Relationships, which is kind of like a Miracle Morning for Couples books, but it's really unique take that you don't need a couple, even if your partner isn't in alignment with your journey and they don't want to read a Miracle Morning book. It says, how do you transform your relationship as an individual in the relationship? Anyway, long story short, and then there's the Miracle Morning for College Students that comes out in May. So one, Miracle Morning for Transforming Your Relationships out on Valentine's Day, the one that comes out in May for college students, Honoré is my business partner. So I partnered with someone who has written 19 books, or actually 23 now, and she brought a ton of value to the table. And then like John said, when it came to my live event, I knew how to put one on and I knew how to fill up the room, but I had never actually run a live event. And John had run 40 live events around the world. And he, from all the reports that I had heard, he's one of the best, if not the best in the world at it. So I reached out. I was like, John, hey, you know, would you be up for doing this with me? And, and it's turned out to be a great strategic partnership. And everybody wins. I win, John wins. And then, of course, our attendees at Best Driver Blueprint win as well. So yeah, John, thank you for adding that. I appreciate that. And then as far as transitioning or kind of closing out the podcast. Let's do this, John. I want to share just a few quick lessons, but some of those valuable lessons that I've learned about achieving your goals. And obviously I shared the couple lessons that I shared about prioritize what matters and create multiple streams of income. Those are lessons. Those are related to the cancer, but these are like the three most fundamental that have got me long before I had cancer. These were the three that allowed me to achieve goals that were you know, beyond what I've ever thought possible. And for anybody listening, hopefully these will help you achieve goals beyond what you ever thought possible. So three quick lessons. And then I do want to talk about, you know, I want to wrap it up, John, by talking about what our listeners can expect over the next few months or so while I'm recovering and you're taking over for me. So lesson number one, do what's right, not what's easy. Do what's right, not what's easy. I think probably I've shared it before on the podcast probably the first episode I ever recorded I shared because I learned that from one of my mentors when I was 19 years old. Also, John, one of your mentors, right? Brad Britton, you've learned a lot from Brad, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And what's funny is Brad was the like core mentor of your manager slash mentor, Dan Cassetta, and my manager slash mentor, Jesse Levine. So Brad influenced us because he had gotten promoted. He was running the division. But now that I think about it, I mean, it is interesting that like, our greatest mentors, their greatest mentor was this guy, Brad, right? You know, so like we're little mini versions of Brad. But Brad taught me, do what's right, not what's easy. And another way of saying that, he would say, you know, if you're faced with two choices, like, well, which of these two should I do? He says, choose to do the right thing, not the easy thing. And what does that mean? Well, the right thing is anything that moves you closer to your goals, right? Now, going back to my other tip on prioritize what matters, health, relationships, and rest, Keep in mind that there's goals you have maybe to make X amount of dollars or you might have these professional goals, but your personal goals, 
right? Your personal goals on making sure you're the best person that you can be to show up for everything else that you do. So when it comes to doing what's right, not what's easy, what's right is whatever moves you closer to your goals. So when the alarm clock goes off every morning, right, that snooze button, talk about this in the Miracle Morning book, you know, the right thing is for me to get up and do what I needed to do. Now, granted, that is considering that I got enough sleep and all of that. So yes, you might go, wow, but wait, is the right thing to get up if you only slept four hours? No, make sure you're sleeping enough and you're resting and all of that. But more often than not, when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, as we know, you usually feel like continuing to sleep because your body is, you know, depending on what state of sleep you're in, it's rare that you wake up in the perfect state. We're not going to go into depth on the sleeping thing, but do what's right, not what's easy. Every day, every moment when you're faced with a choice, do the right thing, not the easy thing. And here's the deal. That is the mantra. Like that for me to this day, 18 years after I learned it, when I'm faced with a choice, which I mean, right, as we know, life is about choices. Life is about the choices that we make. If I'm faced with a choice, it's always What's the right thing here and what's the easy thing? And do the right thing, not the easy thing. Second lesson is seek to add more value for others than you receive. Seek to add more values than you receive. And seek to add more value, sorry, than you to others than you receive. And this, I mean, I learned this when I read the book by Tim Sanders, Love is the Killer App. And just a quick story. I read the book and then I created my purpose in life, which was to add more value to others than I received. I started implementing it immediately in everything that I do. It was in my affirmations every day. So I read it, I implemented it. And of course, it's like anything, you know, it's not like you see immediate results necessarily. But I just tell you, a year later, my first book came out. So this was 2004 when I started doing this. A year later, my first book came out and, you know, I was calling in every favor that I had. And it was amazing how many favors I now had to call in because I had spent the last year and noticeably so focusing on actively adding value to other people. And I remember specifically, I called the manager of Cutco, like the national manager of Cutco. And I was like, Hey, my book's coming out. I don't know if you'd be up for maybe getting some copies for like, you know, the top sales reps. And he said, Hal, are you kidding me? We will buy a copy for every single person at our conference next year. It's the least we could do with how much value you've added over the last year. And he literally said, you know, you arguably have added more value than any other rep in the company. And I was adding value by leading teams and helping others. And it was never asking for anything in return, right? And that's the big part is that you're not doing it with the intention of like, well, <laughs> if I focus on adding a lot of value, then I'll really make out at the end, right? Yeah, you can have that in the back of your mind. It's okay to know that you can be selflessly selfish, right? Like you can say, okay, I want people to value me, right? So I'm gonna add a lot of value. That's fine. So seek to add more value for others than you receive. And then last but not least, start your day with a miracle morning. I think that goes without saying, and I don't need to say much about it. But I really do believe that arguably the single most important thing that I do to this day and, you know, that's been the key factor in my success up to this point is that morning ritual, right? That was like the next level for me. And that started, it didn't start until 2007 or eight. So, you know, I got myself to where I got, you know, with the do what's right, not what's easy and the seeking to add more value for others. So those were like the two fundamental. And then, you know, now it's starting my day with a miracle morning has helped me to amplify and, and go beyond. John, any last thoughts or comments or questions on that? And then I'd love to just kind of transition before you close it out, uh, what our listeners can expect here as I step away for a little while. No, I love what you shared, buddy. And I was reminded of Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, Mm. which is a really interesting study into what really happens in the real world with givers and takers. And I'll let your listeners go on their own, learn what does he mean by givers and takers. But one of the big observations from that book is that, It's not just about giving for the sake of giving thoughtlessly that will cause givers to end up on top. Because one of the big kind of takeaways, he asked you as a reader, 
to guess who do you think comes out ahead in life, the givers or the takers? And one of the things he points out is he says the givers actually finish last. He says they also finish first and the takers finish in the middle if you wanted to segment people in those three kind of segments. Yeah. And he points out that the difference between the givers that finish ahead and the ones that finish last is that they realize that they do have a limited capacity to give. And so there's nothing wrong with giving thoughtfully, realizing that, you know what, by choosing to give where and when I can, knowing that I have a limited capacity, it might come back to me. There's nothing wrong with that. And you've embodied that in an awesome way. So buddy, uh, you've always done that in a huge way. You've been generous with me going back 17 years when we lived together. We have all sorts of crazy fun stories, which <laughs> I'll wait till you're not here. To when I'm not them. here, you'll have lots yeah. of ammunition. I like it. I yeah. Like it. Some of these upcoming episodes while you're uh, recovering, battling, healing, I'll share some of our fun stories. Yeah. You'll have to text me and go, hey, Hal, I listened to this episode. Yeah. Wait till you hear the story I told. I like it. So here's what I want to do, everybody listening and Johnny. I... I really want to take a second to explain kind of, so this transition, John is one of my closest friends, which is just, you know, in addition to one of those brilliant people that I know, I, I always get, John, you're gonna be blushing here. I'm going to talk you up a little bit, but do it. Go big. Like I literally told my dad the other day, I go, dad, I go, I don't know if you realize this, but like everyone that I know, everyone that I've, you know, had in my life growing up, colleagues, et cetera, that knows John Berghoff that has worked with him. Like they would give anything to be partners with him, you know? And I'm like, I just realized that, you know, they would also give anything to be friends with him, right? But I just kind of pointed out that I'm, you know, it's like anything in life. It's important that we're aware of all that we have to be grateful for and that we're fortunate to have and and also just our resources that we can, you know, leverage and all of that. But uh, yeah, Johnny, I just, so you have been reaching out to me going, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And when I said, dude, I don't know if I can make it to the best year ever blueprint event. And you're like, I got it, whatever you need, I will run it. I will take it on, whatever you need. And uh, I'm going to cry again. <laughs> but anyway, so um, for those of you listening, I said, John, the podcast, I'm really worried about the podcast because I don't know if I schedule an interview or even just a time to record it. I don't know if I'm going to be up for it. I don't know I'm going to feel. It sucks. And so he, no questions asked, offered to take it over. And as I mentioned, we've spent the last couple of months discussing what's the best way to do this for our listeners? How can we add more value? How can we make this not just like, a, oh, it's a downgrade, like Hal's not going to be here. How can we actually make this a huge win-win win for everybody? And number one, first and foremost, for you, the listeners. And so John is a, kind of like I did early on. I don't do it as much anymore. I've done a lot of interviews, but he is going to do some solo episodes. I've asked him, I've said, John, you're like one of the most brilliant people at achieving goals. And if you don't know, by the way, here's a quick list of goals. So John runs 100-mile marathons, like they're just for fun. He's done multiple 100-mile marathons. He did one 330-mile <laughs> marathon where he just, he ran from one city to another, from Cleveland to Ohio, 300 plus miles in 10 days. And he was the fastest rep ever in Cutco Hall of Fame. And he did that when he was 17 years old. And that year he made, I always think it's crazy. He made six figures while he was a senior in high school. So he went to high school full-time from eight to three. And then he made six figures in the afternoon selling Cutco. So just crazy. And then I mentioned earlier, when it comes to being a dad and a family man, that is where John you know, you can't believe that he coaches his kids, every team that is all of his kids have, he coaches all their teams. He coaches his son's hockey team. He coaches, he's got three kids, Ace, Sierra, and Kaizen. I was confused. Your kids' names and Roman's kids' names. But uh, <laughs> always, I was about to say Ocean, which is kind of funny. So um, anyway, so yeah, so over the next few months, so A, you're going to get to hear from John directly, but also 
John and I are lining up interviews with people. At first, I was just going to go, let's just interview our best interviewers, like do our top 10 or top 20, which that would have been cool. But I thought as I was making my list of people that I know, I'm like, dude, I've got dozens of really influential, successful goal achievers that would be happy to be on the show that we haven't interviewed yet. So we're going to keep it fresh and keep it new. You're going to need interviews from some of the best people. In fact, (laughs) John, I'm going to be blatant here. We were talking earlier and I said, John, I said, I'm going to use the cancer card for this one. I'm going to reach out. (laughs) I'm going to reach out to people that if I had emailed them a year ago or a few months ago, they may have said yes. They may have said no. They're busy, busy, busy people. They kind of know who I am. But now I'm just like, dude, you know, I'm going to ask them for a huge favor. How are they going to say no? So again, everybody wins because we're going to leverage this to get you guys the best possible interviews over the next few months. And it's you know probably three to six months. I'm not exactly sure how long, but I'll be back ASAP. And you are in, in my opinion, the best possible hands. And if you've listened to my episode, you know, I've interviewed John a couple of times. If you've been to Best Year Blueprint, like, you know that. And you're actually probably excited. You're like, cool, Hal, you're good. But like, take a break, dude. I, I'm, I'm curious as to what Berghoff's going to bring to the table. So I'm excited for that. Thanks, buddy. John, did I miss anything? And then I'll let you close it out. Well, I'm supposed to practice doing an outro, right? Like there's an intro and an outro. We should just close it out. Yeah, think about the enthusiasm that I bring and I'll invite you to embody that Hal Elward enthusiasm (laughs) on your outro. In fact, that's a fun challenge and I just made it in front of everybody and now I'm actually really interested. Oh, all right. Are you ready? All right, feel free to interrupt me or make me do a second take too. Okay, that's great. All right, ready? Here we go, here we go, ready? All right. Three, two. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. How was that? bad, and I'm sure you'll get better every week, buddy. Yeah, it's got room to improve. (laughs) A little room to improve. You're good. Awesome. I love it. All right, well, oh, that's it. I'm not supposed to be talking anymore, I don't think. So you know me. I will talk whenever I'm given the opportunity or not given the opportunity. Achieve Your Goals listeners, we'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.